Well, you know, I mean, just because you're angry at the world doesn't mean you don't want to look pretty. Radio Drome. Welcome to another episode of Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley. With me back is the Gargoyle King himself, the P, the Tear. Nobody's going to get that. Nobody is going to get that reference unless they have me on Facebook, which uh, I, I don't friend a lot of you. Yeah, because a lot of you are weird. <laughs> Weirder than me, and that mm. says a lot. That's true. But then the weirdest among us is also the nicest among us, Cecil. He has that little serial killer veneer. You know, when Cecil goes crazy, Peter and I are going to be like, he was always such a quiet man. <laughs> what What makes you think I haven't already gone crazy? <laughs> it hasn't made the news yet. Fair enough. <laughs> well, the f***ing mouth breathers that Cecil has to deal with, I really wouldn't be surprised. Uh, if you guys want to go crazy in a sexual sense, you go to adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free sex swing, and free U.S. shipping. Just use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. This is going to be sort of a, a, a more fun look at movies episode. I want to look at some of the small details in that movies overlook or expect us to just accept for their plot. Now, I'm going to cut Cecil off at the pass here. I'm not saying movies should explain all these things. I'm just saying when you think about them, it sort of takes the magic or the spontaneity out of some of the things that happen in movies. Okay, so Cecil, I'm not saying the movie should go out of their way to explain all of the minutia. Okay, I'm just saying when you think about it, you go, oh yeah, that that kind of does make sense in a weird way. For instance, like I was watching my girlfriend and I were watching Punisher Warzone the other day, and I never noticed this before. Maybe it's because it's the first time I ever saw it in you know true HD. I'd seen it on DVD before, but that I'd seen it in true HD. The Punisher gels his hair up to make it stick up, and I'm thinking, wait, you didn't notice that in the DVD? version? I, I, I didn't know because it, it was obviously gelled and maybe that's not something we were supposed to notice. Maybe that was, you know, just it is obviously the production. gelled though. He very clearly has slicked back hair in that movie. I can't see this Frank Castle standing in front of a mirror putting the gel in and going you know what, this is going to make me look really badass when I kill all these criminals. I can't see Frank Castle going to the local CVS or the Walgreens an and buying and, an and buying this stuff. for the character though. I think it's more along the lines of probably when he was Frank Castle the husband and father he liked to slick back his hair and yeah. now that he is the punisher he is continuing to you know do uh, that's just one of those it's things you, you wake yeah you wake up in the morning you take a shower you brush your teeth you slick you know you comb or slick back your hair or do whatever and then in his panel from one of the older comics where you see punisher like shaving like doing a no, morning I, routine i'm, talk, kind I'm of talking thing. in the movies this frank castle sets his own broken nose with a with a pencil he forgets so? to eat i can't see this Frank Castle going to CBS and buying the gel. 
So, so what is he, was he supposed to shave his head and then just never do his hair or, or not get a haircut or something, you know? The I mean, Thomas Jane Punisher you know, had messed up hair. hair because he didn't care. He's probably got his own like clippers and he does it. It's routine. It's likely due, like Cecil said, when back when he was just Frank Castle, the family man. And probably he kept a routine when he was in the military too. You gotta, you gotta stay clean, gotta stay fresh so nothing gets in your way when you're on the fucking battlefield. So he Bingo. likely learned to cut his own hair. He styles it in a way where it's out of his way. Another one I noticed was the Phantasm movies. Now, no, this is, I'm getting really deep into, into this. So give me a moment. So like in the Phantasm movies, we see the tall man operates actual funeral homes you you see him officiating funerals and things like that then he would need to be paying the property taxes so he would have to have a bank account who's paying the electric bill and the water bill can you really see this guy being like i'm so sorry your loved one is here here are the different options for caskets you know i I can't see the tall man going and getting a checking account and trying to decide whether he wants cauliflower blue checks or the basic white checks for the funeral home he's operating out of as a front wow that there's a sitcom there that one I've never thought about. That's probably something they didn't think about when they wrote the movie. <laughs> no, see, it would be one thing if he was just appropriating, like, a shutdown yeah. funeral home. But we see him actually working with the public and actual funerals and then steals the bodies. And I'm like, so that means he has to have a checking account. He needs to be paying property taxes. He needs to pay the electric bill, the water bill, the gas bill for the incinerator. Later, we see that there are employees. Maybe he's paying it all with magic. Yes, because he's not a creepy freaking guy that people would go, yes, I will leave my loved ones with him when you think when you die you think you're going to heaven you come to us <laughs> you know and, and i just thought of that and i'm like wow that kind of breaks the illusion a little doesn't it i think they just had what what seemed like a really cool idea was was this guy who you know runs the runs a funeral home and he's also this weird magic tall scary man um they just thought it was a good idea they probably weren't thinking about the fact that he might need to have all these different very human-like assets like banking and, and checking to to run these funeral homes they really weren't weren't thinking about that they were probably just thinking about the the general idea of the movie but yeah when you think about it it's like that that wouldn't exist in reality but then again the phantasm is very much a supernatural kind of horror movie so it, these aren't the sort of things you think about okay well inst- here's what i think with that from what i've gathered over watching the various phantasm films from the years it seems that once the tall man comes into an area he moves very quickly so it's very possible he came in took he comes into a town takes over the funeral home and then within the span of a month has you know, the graveyard cleaned out and whatnot. So it's possible that, you know, he's not paying the the bills and all that stuff simply because he moves in and he clears everything out before all that stuff has a chance to kind of catch up to him. Which so, you'd they be able to say, do. You'd be yeah. able to do that in a month with a, you know, fake, uh, sort of a fake persona or something like that and just move in and move out as quick as you can. Yeah, because, I mean, in, in Phantasm 3, where they show, like, he's been, you know, really taking over uh, the, the world, you know, the U.S. at least, he's going from town to town and just quickly draining all the people. So basically he would move into a place, set up the two pillars, bring in all of his little goblin demon guys to kind of help him clean things out. They export all the bodies. He moves on to the next town. So I think that the only thing I, I could see is, yes, because he did that one, he did officiate that one funeral. So he did at least have some interaction with uh, with people. But uh, again, it uh, 
I don't think that they kind of anticipated the movie being this franchise and being, uh, they just kind of were like, hey, we got this really cool idea for a scary movie and kind of went with that. But then you yeah. also have, like you pointed out in Phantasm 3 and Phantasm 2 does this as well. He, he's wiping out whole towns and you're, you're like, okay, so at near the beginning of Phantasm 2, they drive past the, you know, boarded up police station and whatnot. So nobody notices that whole towns are vanishing. The feds aren't getting involved. Nobody notices, hey, the police from Paragord have not checked in in so long. Hey, all of these people just vanished off the map. As somebody with tax troubles, I can tell you right now, the IRS would very quickly notice, hey, nobody in Paragord's paying taxes anymore. No one from the government got, gets involved. It's just Mike and Reggie. <laughs> Well, maybe they were involved and we just, you know, that, that was a storyline that they didn't cover. I mean, they might have been, Mike and Reggie were following the tall man, but then the government was kind of investigating towns that had already been uh, like wiped out. They're trying to figure out what's going on, whereas the guys already know what's going on. So they're following up. I, I, again, it's, it's a guy that throws spheres that, you know, will drill into your brain. Friday the 13th, part five. Now, I generally like that movie. There's one moment. And when I pointed this out to my girlfriend, she laughed her the ass picture, off. The picture, uh, the yeah, photograph yeah, yeah, of Jason. Yeah, the photograph in the newspaper is Jason, like, swinging a machete, and you just go, how did the photographer get this photo? Was was this his last known <laughs> photograph? Because, <laughs> I mean, it's clearly just a production still from, I, from, it I is. think, four, looks four like or maybe three. Four. But you're just kind of like, but yeah. how did the, how did the photographer for a local, for the Crystal Lake Times or whatever it was, get this photo? Or did they get killed too and they just found the camera later? They, they got somebody to that. dress that up. One, uh, that's something um, that my friends and I have been kind of sort of uh, lovingly nitpicking because we're, we're never shown any moment uh, throughout uh, three or four where that could happen, which is when that would have happened. And, and like parts two, three and four all take place in the span of like the next day after. So there's literally no way that that could have happened. It should have been like a, a survivor that gave their uh, description of what he looked like in a sketch, you know, like in part four where you see a sketch of what he might have looked like as a child kind of thing like that's i think that's what they should have done is a sketch of of what he he would have looked like with the mask on and, and whatever like sort of a, a police sketch but maybe they just they were just lazy they just took a production still and, and put it in the, in the newspaper and figured oh nobody's gonna notice nobody cares about the continuity of these movies not knowing that i'm pathetically obsessed with them Sticking with the whole phantasm thing of nobody noticing, Cecil, when we did the Children of the Corn franchise, from the intro, the prologue, it's, what, nine, ten years till the bulk of the movie takes place, if I'm remembering right? Something like that? Something like that. Nobody noticed that, again, nobody in this town's paying their taxes. Somebody's paying the electric bill and the water bill. The highway department's never come out and checked, like, hey, why are there no adults? How has no one noticed this one town has no adults? in it for for 10 years well, nobody has noticed this he who walks behind the rose is also really good at accounting <laughs> i mean i hate to keep bringing up money but in a lot of these things you still have to pay your bills somebody has to be paying the electric bills somebody has to be paying the water bill and again i have tax problems the irs is aware of every single change in my income they would be to these people hey mr and mrs magruder aren't haven't paid their taxes in five years i'm sure a tax assessor or five went out to that town to look into this well maybe they went out and they were subs uh they were dispatched by the uh the demon in the corn and then the, the irs and then didn't send just, another one huh 
Well, they kept sending them until finally people were like, "All right, we don't want to go to that town." Is this anymore. the Zap? Is this the Zap Brannigan? Is this the Zap Brannigan strategy of like with killbots? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just keep going. Well, you know, it, it it's very possible. I, yeah, it's uh, it's a little silly, especially considering the fact that there's freaking like nine of them, and uh, and I think and a reboot or whatever. This isn't something that's taking place over the course of a couple of days. These are things that are taking place over the course of years, and they don't really. I think I think the only one that actually didn't cover that would be three? What was was three the one with Isaac uh, where they took where they took him out yeah, of I think there three was the one where in Chicago with, I think they moved him to yeah and and the one with uh with Naomi Watts and uh Charlize Theron and uh yeah they they did the so that actually it's like okay well that they took them out of there and so that one doesn't really follow the same path but all the other ones are pretty much yeah the the town is 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 being wiped out by these kids and uh and nobody's really paying attention in the x-men no, i'm not talking about the comic books i'm talking about the movies so they have this giant hangar that has a huge supersonic jet in it it opens up in the ground and they and everything how did professor x do this in the middle of a residential neighborhood with no Nobody noticing. You're going to have to have licensed plumbers. You're going to have to have contractors. You're going to have to have city inspectors. How do they get the fuel for this? All mutants. They're Phil all Forge. mutants. All the contractors are mutants. They're all students in the yeah, school. Cause, yes. Forge. He, his mutant ability is he can build anything. He can do it. You know, so so he built all that so himself. None of the, none of the neighbors of noticed like, you know, in this residential neighborhood a giant hangar. Was it a residential neighborhood, though? Yes. I thought it was like private property with like nobody well, around there's nobody around and they have wide property. property but they're in the middle of new york they're in the middle of new york city eh. people would notice there's a guy that can turn himself into metal there's another guy who can survive gunshots there's another guy that like uh, uh, you know that one eh. all right so they can build all this stuff and no one notices maybe maybe that's it that professor x used his mental ability to b make everyone not notice except, except professor maybe. x wouldn't do that and remember he he considered it a violation to do anything to someone's mind without their consent so professor x would not do that well, no, well, I'm saying maybe he put some kind of bubble over the thing, so it's not affecting people, but they can't notice what's going on. Yes, because Wolverine knows how to install a toilet. Uh, well, that's the same thing with, like, you know, clerks, where, uh, you know, you think the average stormtrooper knows how to install exactly. a toilet. Like I said, these are these little things that just sort of break the illusion. Sometimes producers even notice them. Like Star Trek Deep Space Nine. In the pilot episode of Deep Space Nine, Kira, this angry freedom fighter who hates the Federation, at least in the pilot, she hates the Federation, she hates her job, she hates her boss, has makeup on and has her hair styled. They noticed that after the pilot, Kira wouldn't do that. Kira would not do her hair. She would not get up an hour early to do her hair and put on makeup to go to work at Deep Space Nine. So you'll notice, I mean, later Kira would do this, but for the next couple of seasons, Kira didn't do that. She just looked normal because the producers figured out after the pilot, yeah, this character wouldn't act like that. So sometimes people do do have the Cecil thing of they do kind of explain it. Well, you know, I mean, just because you're angry at the world doesn't mean you don't want to look pretty. <laughs> when you go back and watch Deep Space Nine, it looks wrong because you're, you know, I mean, Cecil, you're a big Star Trek fan. You know how Kira's looks when you watch the pilot. She just looks wrong. You know what I mean? Well, she was tone of the pilot was a lot different from the main series. Mostly a large part of it was Kira was just like irrational. Kira was angry. a bitch in the pilot. Like, 
yeah, like she, it was just like, oh god, I don't want to deal with however many seasons of this, you know, that, cause like, uh, who was the, it was well, supposed actually, to be Roe, um, but then Michelle Forbes didn't it. It was supposed do to it. be instant, thank you. Well, it was because she had just, uh, if my timeline is, is right, I'm, I'm going off memory here, but I believe she had just done California with, uh, with DeCovney and Brad Pitt, and uh, I think she was seeing, you know, the potential of being a, uh, movie star. She didn't want to sign on to, you know, to do that, and consequently, that was a, a bad decision. But, uh, hey, you know, and it sucks, cause I, I mean, I like Nana Visitor, but I also liked Michelle Forbes a lot, so it was okay, kind of I, like the a- The way I look at it, okay, Michelle Forbes didn't get to play Kira, but, or, you know, the character would have been Roe, but you know what I mean. But she did, but she right. did go to become a main character on Homicide Life on the Street after her movie career didn't exactly take off. And I liked her on Homicide, so we wouldn't have had her on Homicide if she'd taken DS9. So either way, it's fine. Well, it worked out well for her. And I think she's a good actress, so I'm glad that she landed on her feet. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of actresses. Oh, the blonde haired, the blonde haired one that, that quit in, in oh, oh, uh. You're thinking of Denise Crosby and her stupid career. Denise suicide. Crosby. Yeah, she blew herself up and then she started doing like softcore for like, you know, movies and stuff. And yeah, it <laughs> didn't, it didn't really go, like that was, that basically was a really bad decision. Uh, but she kind of came to, came to peace with it and she was even in like those, uh, Star Trek Trekkie, documentaries documentaries that's the kind of thing that happens though look at the whole david caruso nypd blue thing i'm gonna go be a movie star and then it's like can i have a tv show again please my movie thing (laughs) didn't work yeah, well, he, like, did really seem like he was going to be a big thing. They were pushing him hard, and then uh, he ended up just lop-sweating all over you the place. Be- that's okay. kind of funny. If you read Stephen Bochco's book, Ego, that David Caruso had, is probably the reason it didn't work. He really thought he was the next Marlon fucking Brando. Ooh. <laughs> when really, he's just the, well, Frank. You know, like, he's been every single opening of CSI Miami. Hey, if you ever want to see something funny, I know it's Fox News, but go find the old Fox News clip of Rob Zombie talking about what a cluster f*** it was to try and direct David Caruso on CSI Miami. There are weird elements that the novels and the comic books were allowed to get into with Star Trek in regard to small details that, for some reason, they just would not let the TV shows deal with. For instance, maybe not the holodecks on, like, the Enterprise or a Galaxy-class starship, but, like, the suites on DS9 or Free Ports, those were mainly used for porn. We always saw them, you know, using with, like, you know, (laughs) tennis programs and stuff. No, the comic books heavily hinted these were used for exactly what you think they would be used for. <laughs> well, didn't they? They touched on that very gingerly in uh, in the episode of uh, uh, Next Generation with Barkley, where he created the world where uh, Deanna Troy was like this, you know, I'm here for love. Oh and, God, you know, and all that, and it basically kind of implied that like he had he had his own like you know harem of holodeck chicks in there so they they kind of touched on ds9 did more more than hinting more a few times but you just got to think okay quark is a free port you know he's renting these things to anybody does he have okay remember the jizz mopper thing from from clerks it's like from clerks is there a star trek jizz mopper that works at quarks yeah, there, there's some poor unfortunate Ferengi whose job is it to, to go in and just mop up just buckets of jizz after, uh, at the end of the day, you know, oh. <laughs> clean up the holodeck. I mean, in all of Star Trek, 
they have never shown a toilet. It was not until the role-playing no? game in 1989, when when they showed like the the tech layout for the Enterprise, that you actually got the implication there are actually toilets in this universe. We don't need to see Captain Picard on the toilet, it's, but it's easy to obviously there's going to be toilets. There's just no point in showing them. Well, they they showed they showed people in the bathroom, like you know at the like yeah, at the so, mirror I mean, just and assume, stuff, but... right at the mirror in the sink. But you assume that next to it there's a toilet. Well, he, he, you know. He, he like, even comes down to stuff like what do you need to see like alien poop you know like (laughs) ice pirates opened with an alien on a toilet well that's Uh, ice pirates but that ice was a satire. Was, exactly. It was a satire of, of all that stuff. So, I mean, you don't need to see every, like, just, just kind of implying, okay, they're in the bathroom, they're brushing their teeth, washing their hair, doing whatever. Of course, you know, your brain goes to, there's going to be a toilet there. You don't need to see Jean-Luc Picard on the can. I would actually pay to, to, to see him, to see Jean-Luc Picard just sitting there, all constipated, trying to read, like, you know, a, a, a data pad of, like, some novel with, with music playing and his fish swimming in the background. <laughs> See, that's more of like a comedy. Toilets tend to show up in comedies. But I mean, you even have something, yeah. we'll get back to Star Trek in a minute, but l- l- like the TV show 24, which is hardly realistic anyway, no one ever stops to eat. No one ever uses the bathroom. And you can say, oh, it happens off camera. Jack Bauer is on screen for almost every single minute of that 24-hour day. He never has to piss or shit once. Look, I get that the world is in danger here, or the country at least. You don't have to take a pee, Jack? He's wearing an adult diaper. The world's going to end any minute, pee your pants. <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, you know, m- maybe not necessarily with Star Trek, but you guys have seen Dark Star, right? The John Carpenter, yeah. Dan O'Bannon movie, movie. Dark Star? But again, Dark Star, yeah. it was a satire. Well, right, but Dark Star pointed out a really funny thing about Lake these Space Adventures. Because remember, due to a t- mishap that happens before the movie, their run was like eight years or something that they were going to be on this ship. All the, their entire eight-year toilet paper supply had been destroyed, and they were, quote, running out of alternatives. That, to me, is <laughs> hilarious it is <laughs> you know that's the kind of thing you don't think about for like a space adventure kind of thing it's like yeah what happens if the toilet paper all accidentally gets ejected into space yeah <laughs> you got to come up with something right that is great you're <laughs> running out of alternatives i gotta watch that again that is really funny or, or, or something like uh the intro to commando it, it opens with the garbage men picking up the garbage and then the the one guy comes out and then the two garbage men gun him down because they were actually assassins and you ask yourself so how long were these guys garbage men because did they like kill the real garbage men and steal their truck because we saw them doing the garbage of other people down the street so they're still doing their job as part of the cover did they like get jobs as garbage men like weeks earlier as a way to facilitate this assassination or it seems (laughs) like there's a way better way to do this than the way they're doing this they're in it for the long game so they got they they went to you know they they got the job several years ahead of time and to it's be guard they covered. got deep, made deep sure covered. yes to, to make sure to, they got on that proper route to like go to that guy's and house they had to both and... get scheduled on the same morning <laughs> yeah that... <laughs> it, it just it, it sort of breaks the illusion when you think about it like that you know well the thing with commando is not only that you have the scene where uh arnold jumps from the plane and it like falls hundreds and hundreds of feet and just kind of goes like splishy splashy in a little like pond or whatever it was that he landed in that little like bog. Yeah, he he was a okay after that. He was perfectly <laughs> fine. Cause it yeah, like you said, man, he he didn't fall like ten feet. He fell like a hundred because they, they show like a <laughs> wide shot of him tumbling through.
through the air. You you don't get up and walk away after that. Well, I guess if you're if you're you Arnold, know, you do. You're Arnold Schwarzenegger. You're Arnold in the eighties, I guess. And he not yeah. only gets up and walks away, he gets up with his hair still perfectly spiked. Yeah, but remember, this is also the decade where Michael Caine's plane sinks and he gets out of the water and he's perfectly dry because he's Michael Caine. <laughs> oh, are we gonna talk about Jaws for the Revenge then? No. The fact that a shark beats a plane to the Bahamas. We already did that in the <laughs> retrospective. But okay, uh, how, how about something? And again, yes, it's a cartoon, comic book, toy line. I wonder what, what the internal situation with Cobra is. I wonder how difficult it is to order. Because remember, they're a terrorist organization wanted by every government in the world. How do you order uniforms like this on a mass scale? How, how do you get parts? Can you imagine what the what the kitchen situation situation is like at the at the terror drome what's it like to be a cobra soldier remember at one point in the cartoon when cobra went broke the cobra soldiers went to the unemployment line and it's like you know you are a terrorist organization right could you see like if isis folds former isis fighters be standing in the unemployment line i wasn't able to find work this week did you behead anyone this week did you try to behead (laughs) someone this week (laughs) well cobra commander was a former used car sale Salesman before he became the leader of the uh, the biggest. He was from Cobra Law. If you co- go with the cartoon, though. Uh, well, if you if you go with the with the lore of it, he was a used car salesman. So he's got you some ties. Serious? Yeah, yeah, it, 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 yeah. In the comics, he was. Yeah, and holy he, shit. He was a used car salesman. What the fuck? And, and I bet he still <laughs> sounded like Chris Latta, though. Oh God, yeah. Well, ah, yeah, I got buy this Camaro. <laughs> That was either a dead-on or the worst Chris Lotta impersonation ever. <laughs> a little bit of both. Um, this is good. I, I think it sounded enough like Cobra. <laughs> thank you. But, uh, you know, he's got, he's got connections. So they, uh, they, I, it is, it is funny when you think about that because they're all wearing the same outfit with the, you know, with the, the, the embroidered Cobra patch. Yeah, they would have had to order he, these in bulk. Where are you getting yeah. these from? Well, the only thing I could think of is maybe like before all of this started up, he ordered a lot. So that way he in all had, the different you know, it sizes, be, it would be he would it would be evergreen. You know, he would have a warehouse full of this and would never have to worry about ordering it again. Because so they ordered it before anyone knew what Cobra was. He just said it was going to be like a, a really big LARP and uh and ordered all this stuff. And, you know, again, it's it's funny, but it's it's goofy to, to go that deep on on G.I. Joe of all things. OK, yeah, it's G.I. Joe. All right. How about From Dust Till Dawn? Keep in mind, I love the first movie, not the sequels, but I love the first movie, and I, I love the end shot. That final shot is fantastic, but it also brings up a ton of wait-a-second questions. Like, really? Absolutely nobody ever comes around the backside of the bar? We do see in that helicopter shot, there's a road there. Nobody notices the giant pit with all of the broken-down vehicles and the Aztec temple there. A helicopter never flies over the DEA. EA flies over Mexico all the time. So nobody's ever noticed this giant thing before. Nobody notices that every time all of these cars and trucks and RVs go to go to Mexico, they all vanish. What? How does this bar again to go back to the phantasm thing? They're going to have to be paying their electric bill. Maybe not property taxes, but they're going to pay their electric bill, their water bill. They have food in there that they're cooking, so they have food delivery people who are clearly not vampires because they wouldn't be able to work 24 hours a day. I, I don't know the whole from dust till dawn thing. That final shot actually brings up more questions than it answers. 
Yeah, but it's such an awesome final shot. Though. Yeah, I agree great. with that. that, that but... was, I don't think they they didn't give a shit about the logistics of that. It was just a cool looking shot. Yeah, they had this great matte painting, and they they roll. You know, they said, "All right, yeah, this is how we're going to end. We're going to end big." And, and then we'll talk. We're going to do a full from Dusk Till Dawn retrospective at one point. The sequel, the first sequel, Texas Blood Money, takes place the day after From Dusk Till Dawn, and when they go back to the Titty Twister, it's completely rebuilt, and there's no damage or anything. And you're like, "Wow." Vampires work fast, man. Do vampires have, like, carpentry degrees or something? Because this is great work for the next They've day. They've been alive for a long time. It gives yeah, they... me a long time to learn how to do shit. Yeah, and who's to say, I mean, maybe, uh, well, first of all, the, the sequels were just garbage. The sequels were garbage, but, yeah. but I'm just saying. But but secondly, you don't think that, like, maybe some of the people who they've turned over the years were carpenters or were plumbers or whatnot, and you don't just, I mean, from from what I gather from being a, a from, like, the where uh, vampire lore and whatnot, you don't forget your previous skills when you become a vampire. So, mm. so maybe they just were like, Hey, uh, Jim, the vampire, you, uh, you go work on the roof. Uh, you know, Ted, the plumber vampire. But it's the next you go fix day. The toilet. I think physically you couldn't repair stuff that fast. Yeah. But I think, I think this, in this case, it's more simply because they were bad movies, not because they really thought about I, it. I know, but mm-hmm. that, that, like I said, tonight's episode is more of just a fun look at the stupid shit. It's where I'm not actually trying to say, these movies should have dealt with this. They're, they could not have really done that in a in in that short a period of time. Even simply logistically speaking, the size you like you could you could put fifty people on it, but you couldn't have fifty people working in the same area at once. You know, so yeah, they wouldn't. I don't know. I think they just more than likely they probably just screwed up the timeline and didn't Rio. You know, they were hey, well let's rush these sequels out because we you know try to capitalize on the first one. Oh god, they were awful. Then we also have something like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, and one of these I do think deserves a pre. Well, and I'll explain that in a minute. You have you have things like like Chop Top. In the first film, they mention that there's another brother, but he's in Vietnam. And Toby Hooper confirms mm-hmm. the, in, in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 commentary that was Chop Top. So Chop Top was always a mm-hmm. member of the family. He just happened to be deployed in Vietnam during the events of the first film. I can't see Chop Top ever having been sane enough to make it through boot camp, to make it through basic training, to get his uniform, to get shipped over to Nam, to work within a unit, to whatever is necessary and, and and you can't go oh well you know he killed his squad or anything because he wouldn't have been brought back to america then he would have been either killed by the other soldiers or in prison i can't see the chop top we see actually being in vietnam which is i think that's well, a prequel probably, I, I, that's a prequel we it need probably Pete. wasn't the the chop top that we saw he was likely changed quite a bit because of the war i mean he comes back with a metal plate in his head which he got which, yeah. which he did get in the war but then if he was a member of the family, as the first film points out, he already had all of these proclivities. And as we saw from the family, none of them were exactly grounded in reality. Except for maybe the cook. Like, maybe he was more like the cook. I still don't know if, if I don't know if somebody like that could have made it through basic training. But that's where I'm saying there should be a sequel. I want a Chop Top in Nam prequel. I normally hate prequels. I would prequels. love a Chop Top movie. It's just too bad, uh, too bad Bill Mosley couldn't play him. Because if he, like, 
he could do it, but it'd be like they'd have to put like the young makeup on him and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. But okay, are you guys telling me a Chop Top in Nam movie, seeing his origin, might not be a prequel we actually could stand behind? Maybe that would actually be great. Oh, I would be down with that. I think, but I mean, they they'd never do it simply because it's not you know it wouldn't be Texas Chainsaw, so to speak. You know, it would be more focusing on the characters within that. Well, I, I, and, I, can, uh, I can also see it being a rights cluster. F- because Chop Top was, this is off topic, but Chop Top was supposed to be the Fredo character in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, but then after Canon mm. was dissolved, they found, they couldn't figure out who owned the Chop Top character since he only, since he only appeared in the Canon movie, so they had to change it to the Fredo character. So uh. I don't even know who would own Chop Top at this point to be able to make a prequel. I don't even know if that's ever been hammered sure. out. Probably not, simply because it's just, it's not cost effective wise enough, you know, it's not it's not a big it's not Leatherface, you know, right. where where they would be arguing over who owns the rights to it. It's just a it's a I don't want to say a minor character, but in the grand scheme of of things, they would consider it a minor character and they wouldn't be uh warranted enough to kind of go through all the legalities of figuring out who owns it. Okay. Yeah. Well, sticking with Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, Chop Top and, you know, Junior and all that. At the beginning when we when we see them taking out the the yuppies on the bridge, they have a super tricked out truck. And I'm just thinking, all of these things are special order parts that are all over this truck. I can't see these guys being sane enough or acting sane enough to go down to the dealership to be able to order these parts and get them in while not tipping off the people at the dealership. These guys are crazy. We need to call the cops. Or murdering everyone at the dealership. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. Then you'd get, you know, the law involved. I always involved. just assume they stole it. I, I assume they, I just assume they stole it from some, like, redneck conservative dude because the truck's got, like, a big American flag on it it's very tricked out i i don't assume for a second that they bought it or paid for it or or got any of those parts themselves i just assume it's a vehicle of one of their victims okay well then how about in both texas chainsaw massacre three and four yes i know four is garbage but you have when tink encounters them on the side of the road and he's got all the stuff about the flares and talking about how much he loves the glow and all that he has a truck that has a highway department sticker on it so Mm. did he kill the guy who was from the highway department or he's also wearing a highway department uh jumper so is his day job working for the highway department and no one notices how weird this might be because clearly again they have electricity and running water and gas at the the house so somebody's paying the bills somebody is working it's clearly not tex it's fredo's running the gas station but again he's acting like such a f***ing jumpy idiot i can't believe nobody's called the cops on fredo yet and i can't see hmm. owning the gas well, fredo station was uh well the gas station attendant was definitely a lunatic but i think the the other dude the uh the flare guy he seemed to be the most level-headed of the family so i think he probably was the one out with like a regular day job yeah i i kind of agree i think uh it's uh he may he was probably the the one who could hold it together enough well and then you also have in part four matthew mcconaughey runs a tow service you can see he's driving a tow truck and there's a sticker on the door i'm just wondering and and again this one's not implied that they did this because he actually is the one who comes out to their wreck as if he was called to hey look a car wreck i can't see matthew mcconaughey's texas chainsaw 4 character actually just you know get getting this the the bus out of the ditch or anything like that he just seems so crazy i can't see the these people holding down day jobs even as a cover. Yeah, well, that movie was just terrible. That's not the point. Four is just, it's irredeemably well, wasn't, bad. 
wasn't the the uh the brunette I, I forget what her name was, but the the good looking one. Like she, she had some sort of job, yeah. She, yeah, she had some sort of job. She was like, like an she insurance was like, agent or something. Like she was like obviously normal enough fit into regular society. Right. I'm not yeah. talking about her. I'm talking about Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey with the tow truck with robot legs. Well, we didn't know that at that point, but yes, <laughs> he seemed like he could maybe hold some some of it together but uh, i yeah again the, the movie is just all over the place it's so goofy you have so many movies that have like street gangs and all this and they always have like you know the crazy you know the the the, the crazy second in command that just wants to go kill everybody and all this and you're like how have you gotten this far when your gang won't listen to you remember in real life when the gangs even got a little out of control the lapd cracked the down on them you see these gangs in movies and you're like you guys know this is supposed to take place in the real world not mad max land right you would have the feds <laughs> the dea and the nypd or lapd depending on where you are all over you 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 just can't write movies that supposedly take place in the real world crazy mad max beyond thunderdome characters in them man uh no another small details thing okay like like deep space nine where they noticed you know kira wouldn't do that they even because I had some people, you often see this in the Italian movies, like Warriors of the Wasteland and all this. Wow, a lot of hair gel seemed to survive the apocalypse, right? It certainly did. But in Mad oh, hair, it, hair gel and 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 shoulder uh, pads Aquanet and shoulder pads, lots and of shoulder helmets. pads. But in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, they actually show one of the guards getting his head shaved at the barber shop. So it's just a quick little thing, but it's like okay, they actually show that the guards take the time out of the day to have their mohawks upkept. I kind of like that you know <laughs> my my personal favorite is the ones where you know every post-apocalyptic movie there's always something that's the resource that they're running out of you know they're running out of oil they're running water out of women or, yeah. they're, you know well well i love the ones where it's like their water is the most precious resource and yet everybody is clean everybody like you know doesn't have dirt on them like i mean where they have dirt it's like a little bit of dirt but like they don't look like they've they look like they've showered recently the ones i like are where you have a medieval movie and everyone's got great teeth. I, I always like that. And it's well, like, there are... you, you, I, I saw one, I, it was an 80s movie. It was just a background character, but you could see the character had braces or the actor had braces. And I was just like, no, no, he didn't. Well, that's like going into like, uh, when, uh, the movie, uh, River Runs Through It. Brad Pitt yells at one point and you could see his, uh, fillings in his teeth. And mm -hmm. it's like, well, you know, they didn't invent fillings yet. And it's like, all right, now, now you're really. Okay. That, th that, that, <laughs> now you're stretching. Yeah. That one I'll forgive, but like Crouching Tiger Hidden drag and i won't where you can clearly see the watch on some of the actors underneath their kimonos what went because you know they, they got those large sleeves and it's like you really couldn't have asked them to take their watch off before they shot this scene oh that movie well, sucked they... anyway oh, oh god what? that movie did suck oh, i'm on pizza back my comb i want my comb back no but i want my comb no that movie crouching uh, they, tiger hidden shit they did that with uh with um uh, spartacus where there was the big big battle scene and you could see like you know there were people that had items on them that were not of that time and you would think like you know the i mean isn't that the kind of the job of the continuity editor yes, it is or like somebody to be like hey uh if you're going to do this movie, don't wear a wristwatch or, you know. Like. <laughs> I mean, okay. Now, obviously, these are mistakes, but, like, you look at – I can't – I think it's the – first Pirates of the Caribbean, where there's a crew member visible in the background with a cowboy hat and sunglasses on at one point. And you're just like, really? Nobody <laughs> noticed this? 
Yeah, there, there's some good goofs like that where they, they really just blow it, where somebody is, is wearing something that they shouldn't have, or, like, I'm willing to forgive certain things. Every now and then it'll be something that's so, like, alright, if somebody is, uh, you know, way in the background, and now with HD you can see things, like, but, but if somebody's, like, relatively in frame and they're wearing sunglasses in, like, a movie about Jesus, then, like, somebody should have noticed this. Well, I say the same thing, and I know we're getting into another topic here, but I don't care. I, I notice the same thing, especially when you have movies that take place at a certain, in a period, you know, it, that are a period piece, and they reference things that don't exist. Like, I pointed out numerous times how all the Porky's movies are in the 50s, but they reference Star Trek from 1966. I personally can't stand when you're doing a period piece, and you don't actually research the period. Well, that is important. If you're going to do a movie like that, you really do need to buckle down and figure out what existed in that era, what didn't, what was new, what was old. Like, these are important factors of making a movie like this. Like, it, it does take a little bit of extra research to make it work. So these, these are things that you can credibly nitpick because it's like, well, that's, that's like 15 years off. Yeah. I remember the movie's garbage, but I remember while I was watching Patch Adam, that takes place in the seventies and it's like all those nineties model cars in the background are a nice touch. <laughs> yeah. You got to be careful with stuff like that. You got to make sure it's, it's it's expensive. You have to get like old model cars. You have to make the the streets look like they did back in the day. You gotta you gotta nail the clothes. Like I really think people who are like genuinely talented and inventive and creative filmmakers should be making period pieces. This should not be left up to hacks or or mediocre people. Like you really need to get your shit down unless it's like meant to be satirical. E- even that, I've had so many people try to defend that garbage, wet hot American summer movie to me. That oh. Oh, that movie is unwatchable. My girlfriend made me sit through it and then i think she was actually taking joy in watching me squirm and oh of course but, she was. Uh, you know that movie takes place in i think 82 or 83 people have been like no dude all of the timestamp stuff is like you know that's part of the satire man the kids wearing a heavy metal t-shirt from the magazine they didn't start making those till 1985 you know and or at one point they talk about the that they need they need to watch the china syndrome on vhs it didn't get a vhs release till 1984 and stu- or on beta and it didn't get a you know home video release till 1984 and and they're like no man they put all those in there just to mess with people like you man it's part of the satire man shut up yeah, no they did not uh, they just said it's 80s so throw in 80s stuff the the only thing in that that i laughed at was when they were like you know let's all go to town and they all went to town and they they did i think they did heroin and it was like it you know it was that was kind of a good goof on the you know let's go to town and get drunk but instead they went into so but but the rest of the movie i'm like okay that was kind of funny and i'm watching the rest of the movie and i'm like all right you can get back to being funny at some some (laughs) point at at, at any point are you going to be funny movie because you don't seem to want to be no no they well it's that new it's it's not funny therefore it's funny which which i i don't i don't like i'm like you know yeah they're trying to do like the like the office and stuff where they're making it like uncomfortable if it's done sparingly like the whole anti-comedy thing that can work but if that's all it is it sucks the point you're just you're just telling everybody i'm a bad writer and that's the point i saw that they actually have a prequel Mm -hmm. tv series that takes place for this but it was made 10 years after so all the actors are noticeably older one of the writers was like that's part of the joke they're younger versions of themselves and they look older (laughs) shut up you're an idiot yeah 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 (laughs) that whole that whole group is just uh, they're all just sitting around smelling their own farts about how great they are 
terrible. But the small details matter. And again, I'm not saying, like Cecil would point out, a movie would be boring if you dealt with all of this stuff. I'm just saying sometimes when you think about the small details, this stuff kind of falls apart. Like, I'm sorry, I can't take the tall man seriously anymore after thinking about all that stuff about the funeral home. I, I just picture Angus Scrim, you know, dressed as the tall man standing at the bank trying to decide what kind of checks he wants to order to be able to pay the bills for Morningside, you know? And then there's also when they maybe think about it too much, like what was it, the... uh the second Fantastic Four movie where Galactus was the big fart space cloud. And, <laughs> they, and they figured, well, this would be too unrealistic to have a big purple uh, world eater man thing. And it's like, well, is it just as realistic to have an orange rock man and a silver man on a surfboard and an invisible woman and a stretchy man and a fireman? You couldn't yeah, but- just go all the way with Galactus? Like, that almost bugs me more when you have a premise that's already over the top and then they go, oh, well, this thing's just too unrealistic. We need to make it more scientific. And it's like, you're fucking well, stupid. Also, also yeah, with- they, they drew the line at giant purple guy. No, no they yeah. actually did. Um, <laughs> one of the producers thought the Galactus design as from the comics looked stupid. They wanted something that didn't look stupid. <sighs> Apparently a jizz cloud was the not look stupid version. Yeah, a giant, a giant sentient cloud that sends like a, a silver dude on a surfboard. You know, yeah, that that works. Yeah, yeah where did the silver surfboard dude come from then? Like well, that's I just mean, as ridiculous. Well, that's the thing. It's like Silver Surfer is in is on the same level of ridiculous, Easily. and yet giant. You know, I mean, like God, the the tick. Did, uh, Galact, well, I, I forget, I think they called him, I think it was Omnipotus. I mean, the thing is. But the Tick um, was a funny show. Well, the, the, the Tick was phenomenal. But what I'm saying is, like, the Tick did him more justice than the freaking movie did. <laughs> Cause they showed, like, the Tick, like, like, he's like, oh, I, I, I can't reach my feet. And so they showed, like, the Tick, like, clipping his toenails and, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, Oh, I love the tick. Oh, it was so good. Yeah, they, they did, you know, they, they did more, uh, justice to, uh, Galactus than the freaking movie did. (laughs) So, do you think that directors or screenwriters or producers should look at the small details? Again, they don't have to explain it, but at least consider these things, because in a lot of cases, sometimes the screenplay does. In a lot of cases, the screenplay will explain backgrounds or things like that that obviously never make it into the movie because it's not meant to. Do you think that audiences should look at things like Jebediah Morningside picking out checks at the bank to pay for the funeral home? Or should we just go, it's just a movie? Yes and no. I think if you're going to go with a premise that's kind of ridiculous, it's a little bit over the top, just own it. Run with it. Don't bother explaining little things like where they make their payments to and how they keep their electricity going. If you are going to go scientific and realistic with it, do the shit out of your research. Don't let little things like slide. Go all the way with it. Again, just like in the other way of making an over-the-top movie, if you're going to make a realistic movie, go balls to the wall with it it's the same thing with like a, like a period piece movie that slips up and you see a, a 90s car in the background of what's meant to be a 1920s movie or a 1930s movie and it's the same thing with uh fantastic four that's already like an over-the-top premise with with these super-powered beings and a, a giant uh uh doritos rock man and and then all of a sudden you're like old oh, galactus is too unrealistic no fuck you just do galactus and go all the way with it i think that's that's what you should do just go all the way with with the type of premise that you're going for 
for. If it's over the top, be over the top. If it's realistic, be realistic, but be diligent and do your fucking research. Or don't hire Keanu Reeves for da- dangerous liaisons. Dude, like for <laughs> where art thou? You know, I mean, uh, God, I just still can't get over. You got John Malkovich and this is his, you know, period piece and everything. You have like Keanu Reeves how, talking how like a surfer man. That, that, uh, speaking of Keanu and period pieces in Bram Stoker's Dracula, Francis Ford Coppola realized very early on that Keanu was not the right role for this part, but he thought he was too nice to get rid of him. Honestly, I actually like Keanu in that way more than I like Winona Ryder. She is so over the top. She's in a, I mean, she over the tops Gary Oldman and Anthony Hopkins combined. There, there's yeah. that one line where I'm like, is there any of the set left after her scenery chewing? Take me away. <laughs> oh, this death. It's like, whoa, 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 Winona. <laughs> down, down, okay? Down, girl, down. <laughs> I pretty much agree with you guys. I think that uh, in general, a lot of the stuff, too, that we've covered are some things that uh, were in the film, but were trimmed for various reasons. We're trimmed for time. We're trimmed for, uh, you know, pacing and whatnot. So I think it really comes down to if you're watching it and it interferes with it, like it's something so blatantly obvious where it's like, OK, what the hell happened here? Why isn't, uh, you know, this existing in this movie? Then that's something where it's like they need to address. It. But if it's something where you maybe catch it on like the third or fourth viewing and you're like, hey, why doesn't, uh, you know, this guy, why don't we see this guy getting his hair cut or something? You just kind of, your, your brain just fills in the blanks. You figure, okay, this took place over the course of like six months. We don't need to see the guy on the can. We don't need to see the guy getting his hair cut. We don't need to see. We just assume that in their daily time that that's something that they're going to do. Now with something like 24, it is a little goofy because we're seeing the entire 24 hours and they should at the very least have him, you know, uh, walk into a pizza parlor and grab a slice of pizza or, or, hey, I'm going to, you know, uh, go to the bathroom or so. just, just, uh, get like, a they don't have to from show the it. vending machine for God's sake at the CTU. Right. Yeah. Like while he's doing, you know, while he's doing justice, he's on his way there, you know, eating a hoagie in his car or something, you know, like just yeah. I mean, because that just adds, you know, character. You're like, OK, this guy, he's human. And uh, so something like that. But when you're seeing people fighting aliens over the course of like a, a long period of time and you don't see them every second of the day, then, yeah, you assume that in those times when we're not watching them, they went to the bathroom, they had sex. They, they, you know, had a Zagnut bar. That's a good mm-hmm. touch of the movie. That's, that's a good way to have like an intense film that has a lot of shit going on in it to not show the characters for a decent enough period where you can assume, Oh, he probably took a nap. Oh, he probably got laid, probably got dinner and probably had a snack. You, you, you do need that. Like I agree with Josh, the, the 24 thing where we, we see a, a little bit too much of Jack Bauer. My final thoughts on this one is basically this was just kind of for fun. I know people are going to say I'm overanalyzing things, blah, 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 but I'm not, I'm not actually trying to say movies should deal with this stuff i just thought these were some things i noticed and i thought it would be kind of fun although i really do want that chop top nom prequel that that one i am serious about yeah I'm, I'm i think that'd be that. that would work best as like a comic oh yeah that that actually would yeah because yeah. then you could draw him you could draw him like a young bill mosley you could make it work that way I, I think it'd be better as like a like a dark horse comic or something yeah all right well where can people find the peter you can find me on uh on the twitters on the twitter machine at Cinematica, you can find me on YouTube, The Cinemasochist, on Facebook, The Cinemasochist. Find me on 1201beyond.com with uh, with some shirts. And, of course, there's other shirts for other shows. I've got a new video in the works. I've got other videos that are out. I have a 
fucking stuffy nose because I got a I got flu a couple days ago, and uh, that's pretty much it. Patreon, Patreon, and Cinematica, gimme, 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 gimme money now, money me, <laughs> me money need bad. Well, Cecil need money not as bad as Pete and I, but where can Cecil be found? Find me at uh, goodbadflix.com as well as goodbadflix on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, uh, Facebook, and 1201beyond.com. And you can find me, gimme, me, gimme money, 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 at Patreon as well as 1201beyond.com. You can contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Try to be a cut above. Keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Have a good night.
Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.